1: and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com ACAST.
2: why hello everybody and welcome to this completely unimportant and have no reason for having done it i don't know why we wasted everyone's time it's not like anything happened this weekend no i am of course lying this has been the this is the blizzcon discussion panel from us folks here at wow insider which was not we're not that anymore sorry i am tired anyway blizzard watch that's who we are now let's let's just try and ignore the fact that i am dropping misstatements like a like a guy drops CRTs and uh, instead just move into talking about stuff. First, we're going to introduce everybody. I'm going to try and and get this right. Uh, a, you're the green goopy cat, right? Correct. So tell people that you.
3: Um, I'm a, a newish writer for Blizzard Watch. I'm uh, down here in Australia. So I'm in very much a different time zone and a different hemisphere I see all you guys talking about things that are coming out in fall and I have to sit and translate. Uh, I've been playing Warcraft since 2004 and Diablo since uh, when did Diablo 2 originally come out? 2000. Yeah. I can see my discs up on the shelf above me. Um, I've been playing computer games since the late eighties. All right. So been around for a while.
2: Okay. I'm now going to shoot over one. Uh, I can always remember your online name and I can never, Rachelle. Rochelle, it's Rochelle, right?
0: It is Rochelle.
2: Wow, I got the Rochelle. Nice. Okay, Rochelle, <laughs> say hi. Tell everyone who you are.
0: Hi, I'm Rochelle. I've been around since 2015. Started out as a priest writer and transitioned to news. And I haven't been around in a bit, but hi, I'm back.
2: She's back. Uh, so, hi, Alaron. I, I, sorry, Rochelle. I'm going to keep making myself there works. Yeah, uh, I... I can't pronounce the other one without doing the thing from Star Trek uh, Deep Space Nine. LMA rain, two, three, four. We don't want me doing that because then I will get stuck in everyone's heads. Matt. Corey, <laughs> yeah, what?
4: Focus up. Let's-
2: <laughs> I was already focusing up, huh, dude. Just get out of the way, man. Corey, say hi to people.
5: Hi, everybody. It's Corey. Uh, I've been writing since Battle for Azeroth through Blizzard Watch uh, a little bit before that, but uh, I'm reporting to you live here at the lovely... Anaheim Convention Center, where we've just had a nice BlizzCon.
2: Thank you, Wolf Corey. Um, this is me focusing. Mm. Flan, say hello to people. And tell people your real name. It's right. It's it's what Flanagan? Like I can't remember. My real name is
6: Flanagan, but I just go by Flan anyway. Say hi, I, you I'm coming in from uh, Anaheim as well. I just left the floor watching Saudi Arabia win the Overwatch World Cup, and now I'm back in my hotel room, tired. So very very
2: tired. Do you know if the Saudi Arabian team stopped at any point to just stand around a glowing orb and all kind of touch it? Well, <laughs> so if you've ever actually seen
6: the Overwatch World Cup, that's actually what it looks like. It is a pillar holding <laughs> glowing
2: orb. Oh, interesting. So, they, you know, their natural, you know, inclination towards glowing orbs probably helped them all right uh joe introduce yourself to people introduce people to yourself
4: hi people i'm I'm joe it's nice to meet you uh yep i'm here you should probably know who i am by now you've listened to me ramble and rant about a bunch of stuff but i'm back i'm here uh and trying to do the thing so
1: bye hi
4: now we move on from
2: your avatar which looks like someone with shark mouth eating someone to liz who looks like a cute gnome so hi liz say hi to people
7: i am liz and i am here not reporting live from blizzcon reporting from my desk and i'm also pretty tired because i've been sitting here all day and all day yesterday and all i do is type ah
2: yep and finally uh since i don't introduce myself and just let you work how do i am through context uh nick you're here so you should say hi and tell people about yourself
8: hi everyone uh, I'm Nick. I have been writing for the site for almost a year now, actually. And a few days, a year ago, I'll have gotten an email from Liz and I will have thought it was a joke, but it wasn't a joke. <laughs> and I am, this will have been my first BlizzCon like, coverage and covering Mister, it from the other side of, go ahead.
2: You've been exposed to the madness that is. Can someone please write this? Yeah. Yeah.
8: <laughs> yeah. It, and, you know, cover from the other side of California or the other upper half of California, the time zones weren't too drastic on me. I didn't have to do too much, but I can see for everyone else just how, how draining it can be.
2: All right. Well, now that we've done all that, we're going to basically just kind of jump into some topics and see what people are thinking about what happened. I think the first thing we should talk about is the weird flow of information that this BlizzCon had. Um, I think one of the things that Alison Robert, who's also somebody who works on the site, uh, is not here, unfortunately. Uh, really, really sharp person, so I always like talking to her. Um, one of the things she pointed out was that it felt very much like it, it didn't know if it was trying to be the original BlizzCon or some new thing, and there was definitely a feeling of it being strained through extra corporate uh, scrutiny. Because of everything that's been going on for the past couple of years at Blizzard and the, the recent events, notwithstanding, so I'm going to put this out to you guys, and we're gonna—I'm going to just kind of do this uh, counterclockwise. So I'm going to start with Nick. What are your feelings on the stuff you heard and the way it was presented, and the way the new BlizzCon is working out?
8: So just to kind of recap for my own self. This is the first in-person BlizzCon in, since 2019, correct? As far as yes, I know, yeah. That is,
4: that is correct.
8: So I don't know if it was kind of just shaking off the rust or just getting back into the groove of online or of in-person event management, which I already know is chaotic and hectic, but for something like BlizzCon is probably t- up that to 1,000. It kind of felt like, at least in, the, I felt this very much in the opening ceremony, where... I wasn't expecting that flow of games to open up with. Um, like, I definitely didn't expect Overwatch 2 to take such a front and center first half of um, the ceremony. And then, it I know we were, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, um, so I won't go too much into it, but it felt like you, 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 you're not like stat padding or word padding, but it took a while to sort of like get any sort of information from anything i'm going to use the cataclysm classic one which i'll talk more about later uh it was a lot of words to say cataclysm classic is maybe coming in the first half of 2024 and then the little fine print on the website says available on or before august 31 but yeah
2: that's the they've always done that when he introduced the new software coming out it's always on or before a certain date like i think they're legally obligated to do that
8: well yeah um but then it was just after that it was hey this is it stay tuned
2: Mm, yeah okay that's fair uh since we're going counterclockwise liz you are up
7: yeah it really did feel like a blizzcon that was light on details it did it hit a lot of things that i think players were really looking forward to particularly at warcraft Chris Metzen came on the stage. There was a lot of excitement for upcoming expansions, player-friendly features like warbands, which I'm also sure we'll talk about soon. But at the same time, it's it was... We're very light on details. Like the new Warcraft expansion has a lot of cool things, but it doesn't seem to have... It didn't feel like it had like one big killer feature. It felt like it was a lot of little features that we were all looking forward to, but didn't amount to like the killer feature, the one reason you're going to be really excited and buy this expansion. And a lot of the things felt like that. The Diablo panels had a bunch of things I'm excited about, but they were were small things. And the big things, like the new Diablo expansion, is pretty far out and we have very few details on it. So it, it really kind of felt like a BlizzCon light. I enjoyed it. I thought it was interesting, but it felt, it felt light.
2: And also, I was going to, just to respond to what you just said, uh, and I I encourage everybody to discuss this if they want to. It felt to me like they deliberately backloaded it. Like all Mm -hmm. the details you were going to get were going to be the next day. So on the opening day, you got like, you know, brief teasers and, and that was it. Just a lot of teasers. And it wasn't until later. Like, I think Warcraft's the only one that got a lot of details that day. Um, because Mm. chris metzen came out and did what he does uh and you know i I don't know just it feels it felt to me like like a lot of the stuff was in the panels that were much later like today instead of yesterday but uh you're up uh what do you think
3: um when i saw the original schedule the fact that they only had the one theater that was streaming the whole time pretty much and there are actually pretty big gaps because they had to move people in and out of the theaters It looked like they were probably going to be super, super detail packed in those sessions to fit everything in. And then when we actually watched them, there was a lot of vamping and dragging things out for minimal actual content in those time slots. Um, I'm not sure how much of that was. As as Liz mentioned earlier, the the possible drama that they've had in in recent years, um, plus everything probably had to go through Microsoft this time around for approval before it went up because Microsoft's going to be on the hook for delivery for anything that comes out going forwards. So that's possible that that's why it filtered stuff out. But it just, it felt really thin for actual content. And we really missed a lot of those, the art panels, the voice panels and all that sort of stuff that actually gives you a lot of the depth and the context that we then go back and dig into afterwards when we find things in the slides or we find things um, that were flashed up on screen in the sort of art director type panels, which we just didn't get this year.
2: Rochelle?
0: It almost kind of felt like, you know, like light on details because they want to remind us that they are here. They are still doing stuff. I mean, they announced three Warcraft expansions at once to kind of, you know, every time there's expansion, people are like, well, what about this? What about that? You guys are just figuring it out as you go along when we know that they've had stuff planned for years. And I think they just kind of wanted to show people, hey, this has been planned out just because you don't see it behind the scenes. So it's kind of a lot of, hey, we're doing a lot of stuff and here's all that stuff, but it's not super detailed. But just so you know that we're here, we're doing it.
5: Okay, Corey. So uh, the announcements were great. The, they were light on details. Like, we, we didn't get any hard details about the new Diablo 4 expansion, like what the next class is going to be. But sitting in the room for the opening ceremonies was the room is electric. The, the yeah, crowd, I, yeah. That carries, for me, that carried so much more weight than uh, I, I understand that that's situational, that not everyone gets to be in that room. But having been that, given that opportunity, it was it was amazing.
2: That's a fair point. Um, anything else before we move on to Flo?
5: The rest of the con I, I think that's I think that's the problem with this well the problem as it were for this year's Blizzcon for the people on the outside is that so much of the experience of this con felt like it was the experience at the con. The Dark Moon Fair was so busy today that it was basically closed off from noon until the end of the show because people wanted to get their pins and their velcro patches and their their little plushy characters and trade things all day. The the Diablo experiences of getting a, a, ta- a real tattoo were basically all booked from the first hour and a half of the convention opening yesterday. The the photo ops and seeing the seeing the live head-to-head rumble matches and all the props and design that went into making this space look amazing. Like, they have poured so much money into this space for the people at the convention that it's a little... It's a little unfair to everyone online because you're not seeing that you're just seeing the streamed panel and like the videos that are coming out from people at the convention. So I think that it was definitely this one felt like it was geared for the experience in the room. And yeah, it would have been really nice to see more of those offshoot panels, the the voice actors and art and concept artists and all that kind of stuff. But uh, even without that, being on the ground was just overwhelming.
2: Okay, Flan, you're there, too. Uh, Do you concur with Corey?
6: I agree with Lori. This particular con, especially during the opening ceremony, it made the electricity in the room just made you tear up a couple times over. But this con did feel like it was more focused for the people there at the con. And as you were saying, like, details were sparse in meetings and during uh, the showcases. But it's because they wanted you to go to the actual stations and play the game right there. And I did feel that that was a problem when it came to, say, Diablo, because Diablo did not have any demo stations. And when you go to the Fireside chat, they're like, well, we have an expansion coming. We're not ready to talk about it. And we have a new season coming. We don't want to talk about it. So they just offered this wonderful experience, except for those of us who did want the tattoo and couldn't get it. And this was more of a, we want you to interact with us. And I feel that may not have really crossed over well for anyone who was watching this at home. All right.
4: Okay. Uh, Joe. So over the last few years, we've had virtual everything. Right. And I think that sort of became a new standard. It was something we had been asking for for years because anybody who couldn't go to a BlizzCon while BlizzCon was going on this, this is how it felt, right? This is, this is how it felt from the outside looking at least to me. Um, where everything was more about the in person experience, uh, the in person information filtering out. And while you know that was great in 2008 and 2009 and 2010 and and what have you, we've moved past that point. I think where having the in person experiences is great, but you still have to consider how people at home are going to now digest it. Um, We've talked about this on, like, the podcast before, but, like, it's I, – I, this felt like they were trying to hard swing back to the time before the pandemic uh, where everything was about, like, you come here, you're in person, this is what we're going to do, uh, and then just kind of let everything else kind of go away. Um, I think there's a world where both need to exist or should exist, and I think that if this moves forward I, – I well. I hope that if, when we move forward, the next BlizzCon that they'll take that into consideration. Because at the end of the day, I want I want BlizzCon to feel special for everybody, whether they're there or not. And I don't want it to just be another E3 or Gamescom or uh, packs from the outside looking in, where you hope you get snippets of information, and if you can't go to those individual uh, panels, or they're not streamed, or there's no you know things that you can't digest online that you just kind of feel like you miss out. And I think it, I think it does more to hurt the hype than it does to help the hype. If that makes sense.
2: Sure. Um, I, I'm going to do something here. I, it's a little different than I'm used to doing because I don't have a script. Like I usually do. I'm going to like turn to each person. I'm going to call you, tell you, call you, I want you to talk about the thing that most interested you, the thing that, that got your attention, that made you excited. The thing that you think was the, the high note of the convention, I am going to start with Liz. The pressure! Oh, no! Um,
7: I am really hyped for the next Warcraft expansion, The War Within. They announced it. D- of course, you have to expect Chris Metzen, just back at Blizzard, had to come on stage announcing a trilogy of, uh, of new Warcraft expansions, starting with The War Within, due out next year. And while I was talking a minute ago about how it sounded like it's not, it's an expansion without like a killer feature. It does have some amazing quality of life features like warbands, which are kind of make a lot of things account wide. It's going to bring all of your alts together. It's going to have shared renown for the new expansion. It's going to have anyone who picks up transmog. Everyone gets that transmog. It doesn't matter if it's not your armor class. It has a shared bank and a shared reagent bank. And you can craft out of your reagent bank, even if it's someone else who has the thing. You, I mean, these are kind of, kind of basic quality of life improvements, but also I am so excited to finally have just this experience where it doesn't matter if I didn't play this character. I've got the stuff. I don't have to worry about these complicated systems of like mailing myself resources. That's all going to be a thing of the past, and I think it is great. I think it's a big thing the community has demanded, and I am really happy that the Warcraft team is finally going forward, respecting players' time, and trying to make it easier to play. And we're also going to get cross-realm guilds. It's like, these are all great features that are going to make it easier to play with friends are going to require less time commitment on my part because if I want to play a different character, if I want to play an alt, if I want to switch mains, I don't have to go and regrind Renown and factions and I don't have to, you know, these are changes that are going to make the game so much better and I'm really excited for them. But also I wonder, okay, what's, what's the killer feature? Is it just going to be all of these things that simply make the game easier to play? So I wonder about it. But I am hyped. I'm super hyped.
6: Okay, uh, next up, Flan. This is something I can't believe I'm actually saying. I am really excited for Classic Seasons of Discovery. Going into this, uh, everyone has been talking about Classic Plus and any alterations to Classic. And although I enjoy playing in hardcore mode, Classic to me has always just felt like a little tourism to go in
5: between
6: actual Warcraft I can't wait to actually go around finding the relics throughout the land and just trying out these new builds that they are offering for us, as well as going into Black Fathom Deaths as a raid. And this is only like four weeks from now. So yes, it's going to be right smack dab in the middle of the next Warcraft season, but still, I cannot wait for seasons of Discovery.
2: Cool. That's an interesting thing to think about. I hadn't really grokked that they were doing that I mean, I did know because I know they're doing the 20, the level 25 will be the original like end game cap. And then they'll introduce new ones through time. So I didn't know what was happening, but it happened not closed.
0: Okay. Uh, next up, uh, Rochelle. I can tell you the exact moment that my ears perked up and I became super interested. It was when he mentioned the second expansion and said, we'd be going back to Quothalos because anybody who knows me knows I'm a diehard elf fan, love elves, play elves and everything. And Quothalos is one of my favorite places in the game. I go back there frequently, but you cannot fly. And maybe, just maybe, they will finally update it and bring flying to it, and then I can just hang out there all the time. And, you know, the lore is pretty cool, and it makes me feel connected to my character because of, like, the backstory and stuff. But, yeah, the chance to go back to my favorite zone and have it updated just kind of excites me a whole lot.
2: All righty. Joe?
4: uh so aside from the selfish thing of being able to say that we were right about the expansions yay um the thing that interested me the most was actually the hero system uh and mostly because this is and i was commenting this a little bit it feels like what we were supposed to get back during when wrath was coming out we were getting the path of the titans and we were supposed to get Hero specializations and in, in, in having these customizations for our characters that they were talking about as an idea and just never were able to fully implement. Um, and it seems like when we got Azraite armor, that it was kind of trying to to build on that idea a little bit, and they just couldn't get it right. They just couldn't figure out something that that fit that hero, uh, that heroic esque special flavor, so to speak. And here, I think it's actually probably a a relatively brilliant uh, implementation of it, at least on paper. Um, The idea that it is 10 talents that you get based off of a specialization that live on top of your current talents, I think is really nice. It means that you're not messing around with the talent tree, which we've had issues with in the past, especially with we had the oversimplified one uh, overhauling. It was an endeavor. And now that there's such a robust set of talents for each tree, uh, any sort of alterations to it would be difficult is a, probably a polite way of saying it. Uh, but this sort of solves that problem. And then having it where it's like, if you are this spec, you get access to these potential heroes and, and stuff like that. Um, and it's also really nice to see what survived from the original, uh, discussions of it. Cause like for shaman, which is sort of my bag uh farseer was one that they always had called out and then it was storm caller before now it's storm bringer uh and there wasn't a third one discussed but it's nice to see like there those survived um and i'm excited to see how those work i'm excited to see how they change play how they customize things and how they let people sort of uh deepen the class fantasy uh because that is something that is wildly important to me in warcraft is that living that class fantasy
2: Thank you, Joe. Um, I'm going to go with Nick.
8: So I had two moments. Uh, I think probably the moment I enjoyed the most was when the war within official cinematic started playing. And not just because of like the content that was in it and that it showed us, uh, but just the amount of detail that went into just the characters of Brawl and Anduin. I was just absolutely you know blown away and I know that uh, Blizzard is always really good with um, with their cinematic trailers like I I remember watching by three they come when it first came out like three or four times and yeah I know it's a long trailer but when it first came out I was just stunned so the whole that whole cinematic I really enjoyed um as far as content wise I'm two i'm looking forward to season of discovery mainly because this to me the whole class breaking runes thing i'm kind of with joe on the this isn't really a class fantasy because they're breaking out of that mold but rather just that power fantasy of being able to just go bonkers with some of your abilities i think is gonna it's interesting to see how it plays out on paper it sounds great but in action is always different but it definitely has my interest.
3: Cool. Follow me. Probably the thing that I got most excited about is getting a chance to get in there and explore the new zones. Um, Probably the the most magical thing for me for any Warcraft expansion is actually getting into the environments and having a look around. I love playing a druid so I can sort of sneak around and jump off things and explore um, stuff that maybe I'm not supposed to have access to yet. And try and find all the little secrets and little little nooks and crannies that are, are hidden away. So I'm really looking forward to that. The new environments look fabulous. I, I think both the Warcraft and the um, Diablo environment teams do an amazing job every single game they put out. Um, and I'm looking forward to see whether Moon King can go two expansions in a row without having a total structural redesign. That
2: doesn't seem possible. no no
3: it's a common thing in the the druid forums
2: (laughs) don't moonkin have to like get a new mechanic that involves like something no one's ever heard of like before like yeah what are they going to do to
3: eclipse this time yeah but uh (laughs) anything like it's looked before
2: okay all right yeah now we're thinking about that anyway uh cory since you you know i'm jumping to you so for for one thing i think you're the last person but also because druid so there you go
5: Uh, the, the Druid Heroic is really cool. I would that there was a druid of the Flame option. So the Druids of the Flame are, you know, they're, they're, they've popped up in the game a few times now, and every time they seem like such a cool concept and so out of the mold for Druids that it's always really struck me as something that I would love to play with. So I, I hope that they, uh, they take some feedback on maybe removing Wildclaw or Druid of the Claw, because basically feral and guardian druids are just druids of the claw and uh, letting us go that way because that would be really cool uh, the rest of it you know it's all super exciting I, I can't pinpoint any one thing that made me be like yeah that's that's the thing I just, I'm just so happy that I, maybe it's that they seem to have a cohesive vision for the next three expansions and it's not we're not going to get that one little thread that maybe pulls us into the next expansion which will feel nicer
2: okay uh, I'm not giving my opinion because I've got a lot to do already, but it would have been no Diablo 4 and Vessel of Hatred stuff because I'm, yeah, I'm bouncing off the walls on that one. But uh, instead of me babbling for a while, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about the concept of the Warband and what it is actually doing uh, because this is something that I feel like it's easy to kind of just look at this stuff like the reputation and so forth. But they're making changes to practically every system. Like, they're making changes to how gear works. There's not going to be gear that is war-bound till equipped. And that gear is like, it drops, and you look at it, and you're like, oh, I can't use this sword, but my paladin can. And you can just send it to them. And it's effectively replacing catch-up mechanics in a lot of ways.
7: Or, or you know, you could send it to them, or you could just put it into your shared bank, and they can grab it. Like, there's literally no yeah. reason to mail things to your alts anymore. Exactly, Which yeah. is... It's like a tiny feature, but it's so convenient.
2: The part that really got me about it, and I, I want to open this up to everybody, but when Eon was talking and he's like, you know, the, the game wasn't designed with any of this in mind. And that's why we had to do weird workarounds. Like, okay, you want to get some materials to your like, to your alt. You have to go to this particular vendor and buy an item that you would then mail to them and then log over and then get that item out of the... Out of the uh, email out of the mail and now you have the the resources that you just tried to send yourself and i remember thinking oh my god he's right that is the most ridiculous thing why did we ever accept <laughs> that you know so yeah um this can time I, i'm gonna see does anyone want to well, talk first hold, can i yeah, ask Corey a, does and you do.
4: can i ask a question about this real quick
2: go for it because i'm still
4: playing catch up and since you you all have been paying way more attention than i have been able to uh did they specify if there is a limitation on how many characters can be in a war band because all of the promo footage or, or images I'm seeing are showing four in, in the every, image. Sorry, go ahead.
7: It is every character, every yeah. character The the art will just show you those four and you can choose who you see in your art. So customizable, okay. but it's every character on your account. Yeah, okay. it's,
2: it's not even really like a system you have to sign up for. It's not like you don't have to join the war band. You don't have to do anything. When uh, the expansion comes out, the system will just be there for everybody. So if you roll an alt, the alt is automatically in a war band with it.
4: Okay, yeah, because that, that that clears it up. Because when I was looking at the promotional images, at least, and again, it was it looked like there were multiple war bands on an account within it. Like there were groups of characters, and I don't know if that was just a weird artifact of the image that they chose. So thank you very much for that.
3: So, Even Iron's example was a currency transfer. Did they talk about whether currency would be account-wide or whether it's just going to be items in the bank?
2: I mean, they talked about how you won't have to do it anymore. Uh, they specifically mentioned you won't have to mail things to yourself. You won't have to do a currency transfer. You'll just have – because you have a shared bank now, essentially. Oh, So you have basically – essentially, you have a shared – um money pool but i don't know if it means literally just if you have 50 gold if you make 50 gold on one character and then you get on the other character if that character will now just have 50 more gold uh that's how diablo does it and since this is very blatantly the stash system from the last couple of diablo games i would not be surprised but they didn't specifically. And as say, a
3: long-term Diablo player, I'm waiting for all the we need bigger stashes or more stash tabs coming. <laughs> oh yeah, always.
5: Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, but Coria, you were saying something or trying to? I remember
5: the the Warband stuff seems really cool. Um, I, it does feel like the currency will go across. I know in one of the promo images, you can see some gold listed on the bank. So I I just kind of assume that it will pull all of your gold together in one pile, which is nice. I. It's it's such a great change in their perspective, and I even got a cheeky little one question interview with Ian Hazakostas today, catching him on the way from one room to another. And I asked him about this, and they, to par- you know, I'm not quoting him directly here. It's but it, to after years of player feedback about this kind of situation, that he wanted that the they've they've listened, they've taken that into account, and it's really been challenging their traditional concept of what a character is, but. What he said on stage about it being the same player behind the keyboard uh really I think resonates with a lot of people because it's like, yeah, I don't need to do X again. I did X I've been there, I lived it yeah, then, at this
2: point, I've done x four times just trying to get a <laughs> kitty cat.
5: I'm just trying to get to y man i don't, I don't yeah. know what's going on. Yeah, so, no, that's a very good point uh it's it's fantastic uh it's it's gonna smooth out a, a really big rough edge in Warcraft. That, you know, you'd, you'd look at players who do Final Fantasy fourteen, and one character does everything. They can twist it to a different job at any point. And so your Dragoon is now a warrior, and without having to worry about, like, rolling 13 more characters. Yeah, which, this is
2: a di- slightly different way of accomplishing much of the same goal. Yes. Okay, uh Nick?
8: So for today, I actually had to jump out and missed most of, like the deep dive and had only really given a glance at stuff like Warband. So I'm out learning in real time more about it now. So I just say, jump over me and keep the combo going.
2: No, I refused. You will learn and tell me more now. Okay. Um, no. You're there. You're at, you're actually at BlizzCon. So did, did you get to see it? Or
6: do you know I got to about- watch it so far, but I wasn't able to attend this particular meeting. But the one thing that I really liked was the nice little tab that clicked that you could put all of your reagents into and all of your characters will just have a single reagent source and they can all draw from it in order to do their crafting. And that really impressed me.
2: That's like amazing for people who do the auction house and who do cra- a lot of crafting, who have crafting alts. It,
4: it, it's also really now- good for guilds too, right? That do a lot of the, the uh, crafting for keeping like raid groups and stuff like that up to up to snuff
2: yeah it is it's very very interesting to me um okay uh rochelle i think at this point you're the only one who hasn't gotten to say anything so
0: i am super excited about it and it's just like you know i play a lot of vaults but i don't like you know play them as though they're my mains like i switch back and forth and play them sporadically but and it's it's nice to have everything centralized and not have to send things back and forth And it's not like they're adding something that we hadn't been able to do because you can do all that stuff. It's just tedious and it takes a long time. And it's just such a huge quality of life change to be like, hey, we're going to cut all that time out so that you can actually spend time doing the things you want. And that's what we've seen in the past was that when players could do the things they want they were more inclined to log in and play rather than having to log in and do like wizard chores. So it's just, it's just a really nice thing and I'm really excited that my alts will be more connected to everything and I won't have to log back and forth and it's more cohesive system.
2: Okay. Uh, I will say that some stuff that none of us have really talked about that much yet. So I'm going to throw them out there and then we'll see who wants to talk about them. One is the, the coming of dragon riding to every place in Azeroth in 10.2.5. Uh, like, that's that's coming. That will be happening. I don't know if it will be happening this year or early next year, but it's we, we know 10.2 is, what, next week?
7: Next week. So mm-hmm.
2: with, within a month or so of that, so maybe during December, maybe in early January, we're going to have dragon riding everywhere.
4: Well, now they're calling it after, dynamic flight, right?
2: No, no, no. It'll be dragon riding when it's still in dragon flight okay the 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 new thing dynamic flight which is essentially dragon riding but now you can use any amount you want and you can use it anywhere uh but that's i i was really interested to see how far they're going with it i didn't know how far they were going to go with it based on the original information we got on friday Uh, i will say this when ian has decides to do an info dump he does not stop until he (laughs) has dumped the info um so we get a lot more than I was expecting on Dragon, on uh, dynamic flight and how it's basically going to be dragon riding, but you can use any mount, you can use it anywhere. You're going to be able to toggle back and forth between what he was calling TBC flying, the original flying and dragon ridings, you know, descendant here, uh, dynamic flight. And you, you won't ever be forced into using one, except that they're going to still have pathfinder, like, you know, systems when people hit, max level to turn flight on for zones but dragon the dragon riding descendant dynamic flight will be there as soon as the expansion launches so if you want to do flight before you hit max level you'll have to use dynamic flight anybody here like were you expecting this what did you think of hearing about it what would you like to hear added i'm gonna this time rotate the exact opposite direction so we're gonna go with
6: flan so my view on the adding dragon flight slash dynamic flying to to everywhere is well, we have dragon races now set up across all the continents just so that we can do at any time, not just during the designated racing periods for the rewards. And that's my only real question regarding the updated use of the dynamic flying.
2: Yeah, we didn't get an answer to that one right here. Uh Corey?
5: It's uh the least surprising announcement, I think, uh, about the, the upcoming WoW content. Uh Dragon riding feels really fun. It's for the majority of players, I know there are people who don't enjoy it, uh, but if, for the majority of players, they're really enjoying it. They are having fun with it. The dragon races have been a cool idea. And uh, everyone was just like, yeah, so we only have six mounts that we can really use in dragon flight. Where When can we get the rest of them? And that's coming. A druid flight form will be upgraded to dynamic flight, so druids who want to zip and barrel roll and all that fun stuff will will be getting to do that. Do evokers get it too? Sorry, what was that? Do don't evokers
2: get it too, or am I mistaken? Evokers, yes.
4: gl- uh, evokers, glider fly. I can't remember.
2: They glide now, but they glide. They're getting, av- dragon- they're getting a dynamic flight in the next expansion.
3: There, yeah. there was a tweet confirming that. So yeah,
5: even better. <laughs> it's it's super fun. I can't wait. Uh, I'm glad that they're upgrading all the other that they're upgrading batches of the other mounts. I don't know if we're getting every all 900 and whatever mounts that exist currently in the game.
2: Yeah, I saw the the, the clip that they showed with uh multiple mounts all seem to have wings. Yeah, uh, and I remember thinking that makes sense because you're trying to make the 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 mechanics you developed for dragon riding work for as many mounts as possible. A lot of those mounts don't move or act anything like a dragon, so picking mounts with wings at least gives you a baseline to start from. So that made sense
5: yeah and it is a lot of work per mount to get it upgraded from burning crusade flight to dynamic flight where because you've you've got animations that need to change you need to make sure that uh every landing every takeoff every summoning of that mount feels good and feels impactful in a way that uh it wasn't before because they you just kind of felt i don't know weightless even even coming in you know on the last expansion, you still feel weightless just zipping around on that flying disc or any of the fancy elemental mounts that we got in Shadowlands.
2: Yeah, I will tell you, however, I will say this for that the older system, it's much easier for me to go urinate when I need to.
5: Without a doubt. <laughs>
2: yeah. and that's important. Don't ever tell me it's not. So the fact that you can toggle was good. Uh Rochelle, you have any thoughts?
0: Basically, yeah, the toggle... Um you know, dragon riding's great when you want to get somewhere fast, but sometimes I don't want to be actively flying or paying attention. And sometimes I just want to hover. Do you know how hard it is for me to land? I know there's a hover, but I cannot land worth a dang with, you know, flying with dragon flying. So having that toggle will be a nice switch because sometimes I just like being high up in the air and not really going anywhere.
3: Yeah, that's that's something I was thinking as well. Uh, felt Um, The toggle, I'd be interested to know how the toggle works from the perspective of is it a global or is it um, something you can set mount by mount? Because um, as Rochelle just said, landing a dragon riding mount, particularly when they get really fast, is a pain in the butt. Um, I was taking some screenshots for the 10.2 PTR recently and trying to get screenshots at speed of the dragon glyphs was just crazy making and just about none of them were in locations where you had a clear line of sight from anywhere you could land. Um, so the ability to hover and land in small spaces is magic and having to land in order to toggle it, that's great, but it'd be nice if you had to have say a set of mounts that have regular flying and a set of mounts that have dragon riding or dynamic flying um, so that you could choose when you took off which one you were using um, for the task at hand without having to be constantly flipping back and forth.
2: All right. Um, Liz, anything to add?
3: Uh, mostly I just
7: remain concerned about accessibility issues with dragon riding because there are people who can't dragon ride, who are not good at dragon riding. So I'm glad there's a toggle. And I hope, I really hope it winds up being accessible as soon as you get dragon riding our dynamic flight. Because, you know, dragon riding super fun. But it also requires a lot of concentration, it requires some reflexes, it requires, you know, using a mouse in a certain way, and people with physical disabilities are going to have trouble with that, do have trouble with that, some people are just bad at it, you know, or don't like it. So it's both this really great feature and a feature that's out of reach of some parts of the player base that makes the game more frustrating for them, and... Uh, you know, like even I, you know, I used to play uh a lot just on my laptop with my trackpad because I could. Why not? Why not? My trackpad's right there, but I cannot play Dragonflight like that. I have to have a mouse. Is just controlling a dragon too difficult? Uh, so it it doesn't feel like Blizzard has, up to this point, had. A real accessibility plan for Dragonflight, even though it does require a higher level of coordination and effort than previous methods of flying and getting around the world. And I, I at least hope they have the toggle option available right off, so there is another option. Sure, you're getting around slower, but you can get around without that frustration and difficulty.
8: Well, thank you, uh, Nick. So for for dynamic flight. It was something that I learned about today while combing through over 100 missed messages, and I thought it was really <laughs> cool. Um, at the same time, the, to- the toggle option is, I thought, was a really cool feature to um, get out in front of, so to speak, and put that like right in the forefront, because that was going to be the number one comment um, if it wasn't, right? Which was, why are you forcing the new style of flying On everyone else what if people don't want it and so that just seemed like a no-brainer but sometimes like the toggle options seem like a no-brainer but sometimes the no-brainers don't ever actually happen and people are left wondering why so i'm glad that we just completely avoided that for the most part up until liz brings a good point of when toggle right off the bat or after a certain point um one thing about i love and to say this i love dragon riding soon to be dynamic flight I'm curious to see what this quote evergreen state of the glyphs will be because I know that, like, when we do our work on the PTR to grab screenshots, my dragon riding mount reverts to the original, like, three slots that you get. And I gotta say that after collecting most of the glyphs around the Dragon Isles, it feels pretty rough to go back to the earlier stages. So I'm curious. That if they do plan on keeping the glyphs, how they, what Blizzard's plan is to make them feel, you know,
4: well, didn't they, worth it. didn't they
2: already they say that, that they're not going to do anything? Any- they said ahead. that some things were going to be made baseline as you level. So some of the things that are currently dragon riding glyphs, yeah, will just be stuff you get as you level up because dragon, the dragon Isles are going to be the default leveling zone. Uh, in War Within. So there's be an expectation for players to get Dragon Riding as they level from like 10 to, I guess, 70. Yeah. So, yeah. But they haven't completely answered that. And Did, uh, but that's a good time for Joe to talk. I was, yeah, you know,
4: didn't, they, didn't they also confirm that there's going to be no new glyphs either? Like, even though like for Dynamic mm-hmm. Flight, there's not going to be anything new. What exists in that's the right. Dragon Isles is that's all there is. So um, they,
2: whether or not those are even going to be necessary. Right.
4: Um, I'm all about accessibility options. Uh, I will always be about accessibility options and ways for people to enjoy the game. So as long as it's dynamic flight is toggleable in a, uh, you know, good way and people can opt out of it. I think it's a good option. I know a lot of people who, uh, you know, my partner for one just didn't really care for dragon riding because, well, they couldn't, they couldn't do it. Uh, they didn't have the physical dexterity for it. And so they just stopped playing. um, so anything that allows you to not have to do that if you don't want to, a plus. So that's that's. A, I mean, for me, I really enjoy it. I think it was a cool feature, but I I I really do understand why it would be off putting to a lot of folks.
2: Okay, uh, this one is a little me quicker. I think because it's just something that occurred to me whilst I was watching. That did, did anyone else notice that Phil Spector mentioned StarCraft?
7: Mm hmm. Mm
8: hmm. Up front, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: like right. Like, it was the second thing he mentioned. The second Blizzard game he mentioned was
5: StarCraft. You know what you didn't mention? Here is the storm. <laughs> I'm pouring one
7: out I for thought, heroes. Uh, I thought the StarCraft mission was interesting, and I've okay, I've been honed in on this one since the beginning. Since Microsoft announced the acquisition with art that included StarCraft. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the art in their acquisition announcement was Blizzard art, and it featured StarCraft, even though Blizzard has essentially let StarCraft die. Uh,
2: I mean, it it, was, but, as one person pointed out to me, it's like, like, look, it's Blizzard, 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 uh, Call of Duty, and Candy Crush. That was the <laughs> art. Uh, it was like, yeah. you know, did you just buy Activision just so you could get Blizzard? Is that what happened here? Um, yeah, but yeah. It,
7: but it does feel like Microsoft, Microsoft recognizes what they have here. StarCraft is a huge game. People still play StarCraft. People still love the RTS genre. There's been talk of an RTS renaissance with you. Yeah, games. Yeah, I was just going to bring which, that up, yeah. Which Blizzard has not participated in, despite really having previous...
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
0: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. They just kind of
7: owned the RTS genre. And they've they've kind of abdicated that role. So I think Microsoft is going to push back in that direction. Maybe we get a new StarCraft game. Maybe we'll be back here for next BlizzCon talking about StarCraft. Wait, how many StarCrafts have we had? Are we up to four? Would it be four? Three. three. Okay. StarCraft three. Maybe next year. Maybe we'll hear something. I don't know.
2: I do think it's interesting too. And and I'm hoping the other guys get to talk because, you know, the three of us tend to talk over people. Um, How many people here think it's interesting not just that he, he did mention Starcraft, he didn't mention Heroes of the Storm. Like, what do you think he was doing there? Like what do you think Phil Spector's role in Blizzard is going to be? I know he's president of Xbox Games. What do you guys think that's that's gonna mean for Blizzard? Why why do we need Phil Spectre to be at the con? Not that he shouldn't be, just what what's what does he bring to it? I'm gonna start with Rochelle. Oh no. <laughs> no time to answer. Uh. <laughs>
0: Um, I'm not really in tune with, like, the, the games industry as I used to be. Um, I mean, there's no way they couldn't have had him there because they just, you know, the, the the sale just went through. So people were expecting something. And, you know, we were all predicting as soon as the stage lit up that he was going to come out and be like, hey, I'm here. I'm not changing anything. You guys rock. And I mean, that kind of kind of happened, I guess. But yeah, I guess his role was to, you know, remind people that, yeah, this is happening, but also kind of reassure people that it's not going to change for the worse and that they they just want to make fans happy because, you know, there are StarCraft fans who are probably unhappy that there haven't been any updates or anything. So, I don't know, it kind of kind of felt like, you know, just reassurance.
2: Okay uh, fell
3: um, I think probably one of the big things that he'll bring to it all is I think Microsoft probably have a better understanding of the international markets um, particularly with the long history of things like um, the the Xbox and the the game pass that I suspect the reason that StarCraft was in there is while it may not be as huge in the um the US market, it's very, very big in Asia still. And I think they see that as a developing market that they need to push in further. It's part of the whole kerfuffle they had last BlizzCon, or last BlizzCon one before with the Diablo Immortal announcement, is that maybe the US isn't the target market for that game, um even though the vast majority of people at BlizzCon were were US, and that's probably why it went over like a lead balloon. I mean, it's um, one of
2: several reasons I would argue, but yeah, I definitely get yeah, wrong with
3: that. That um, Microsoft have probably got a, a stronger eye on the international market. We'll see what happens. Okay, Corey.
5: Phil just brought up a really good point in the international market because we saw the collapse of the Blizzard China partnership that allowed their games to be released in China uh, just in this last year. So maybe, maybe with the Microsoft. Uh, on board that will get overturned or a new path could be forged there that allows Chinese players to play the games that they loved playing again legit uh, without any VPNs or any other nonsense like that I, it was just I, yeah it was really cool seeing Phil Spector come out he's a Titan in the industry of that is a figure in the gaming industry that has done a lot for the gaming industry so seeing him on stage again very cool I very surprised they didn't turn the stage green for him that would have been as <laughs> we saw that it could change colors it, they just didn't maybe it was to show that he's not ta- maybe it's to show that he isn't taking over maybe that's the thing uh, what's interesting to me I think though the game that I heard the most in just random overheard conversations here on the con floor and from people around the convention was always Heroes of the Storm at there's all there, I couldn't go an hour without hearing some random snippet of a conversation. I'm going
2: to gently, possibly, point out to you the concept of confirmation bias, Corey. <laughs> well,
5: whoa, 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 yeah, maybe, but I felt like I couldn't go an hour without hearing a snippet of someone being like, "Yeah, Heroes of the Storm would have been cool," or something along those lines. It's it felt like the game has always been well loved by the people who loved it and the people who didn't barely remembered it. So, uh, I will maybe. say
2: this for Heroes of the Storm: I've played I've played all the current MOBAs. At this point, um, several of which died, uh, like, for instance, the DC one. Oh, yeah, nice. Infinite Crisis. Yep. Yeah. And of all of them, the only time I really had a lot of fun was playing Malfurion in Heroes of the Storm because <laughs> he was the, just the weirdest healer imaginable. And I just I got into it. I liked playing him. And it's strange to hear myself saying that. But yeah, so I, I get you on Heroes of the Storm. It would be nice if, if Microsoft could possibly do more with Blizzard's catalog so yeah I mean that's one possibility there
5: and they have a big catalog and they have a lot of beloved games I don't know that we're anywhere close to a Starcraft 3 announcement simply because all of the developers who were in that wheelhouse they're currently
2: off making other games in the in the renaissance we keep hearing about for other companies
5: Stormfront is coming soon or Stormgate uh, is coming soon and uh, they've, they've finished their technical alpha and they've shown they're about to show off the playing of the demon race and we still haven't heard their third faction yet, but it's it looks cool. It's got hype from people in the StarCraft community, and it sounds like they're doing everything they can to make it as big of a powerhouse in the uh, same field of, like, StarCraft Brood War.
2: Yeah. All right. Um, Liz?
7: I, during the very beginning of the opening ceremony, I heard a lot about empowering Blizzard empowering them to do their best work and i hope that's what microsoft role and phil specter's role is here in you know taking a hands-off approach not necessarily pushing blizzard to do this i do hope we get away from kind of that activision mindset where we've got to release a new game every year we've got to stick to the schedule I don't know if that's going to happen because that's just sort of a reality of the video game world, that you have schedules, you have to put out releases. But I hope the relationship with Microsoft is about letting Blizzard make great games, letting Blizzard release games when they're done, and not necessarily hitting hard, arbitrary targets. That's that's a really hard sell on the business side, but it's always historically been what Blizzard does best is when they're given time to be creative and work and iterate to make the best games possible to take the time to do that i i don't know if that's going to happen but i i hope it'll happen
2: okay i'm a little groggy on who i picked uh flan am i asked <laughs> you yet
6: uh no uh eyes, a- boom go yeah. i'm a huge xbox fanboy so seeing phil spencer show up on stage was both expected and yet very exciting for me. Uh, My feelings towards the comments regarding StarCraft is Microsoft has only really been involved now for three weeks, three or four weeks at this point. I feel it may be too early to announce a StarCraft 3, but I also feel that Microsoft has so much behind it, even dealing with the other companies who are part of the RTS renaissance, Everyone involved in those will need to deal with Microsoft at some point. And I do feel it's going to be a question of what do we need to have the resources to create StarCraft three? Here's a blank check.
2: Fair enough. Uh, Nick, I believe it means you, you and Joe are the two I haven't spoken to yet. Actually, Joey did get to go. I didn't. So, no, you didn't? Okay. I mean, we must have <laughs> talked to someone else. Sorry, guys. I'm trying. Uh, but I'm going to go with Nick right now. Nick?
8: You're doing a great job, Matt. We appreciate you. We do. Um, so, okay. I think that this, and this is just me, I, I don't want it to sound as like cynical and as jaded as it might. I'm trying to be objective about it. But I don't know if anyone else this week has paid attention to what's going on with Microsoft's main competitor, um, Sony and Bungie, where um, Bungie recently laid off a lot of people. And right now, they're still trying to sift through the finger-pointing of, you know, is this to help boost Sony's, like, you know, end of year for next year, whatever it is. So, with that in mind, with that happening so recently, I don't think that that affected, like, I think that Phil's going to show up either way. But I think it was really easy PR for for him to go out there, kind of just have this, not the gentle presence, but more of a reassuring, like... We're here to support and make, you know, make all of these great things happen in a partnership. Um, so that's number one. Number two, I th- so I played StarCraft as a kid on one of my cousins' Nintendo 64, right? I had no idea what I was doing, but I thought it was really, really fun. It was cool to just build something from the ground up and then watch these aliens go, go nuts on each other. Um, and I know that it's a really popular game historically. Now that we shifted into this partnership between Microsoft and Blizzard, there's developing more money into that and working to bring that towards PC and to Xbox is probably is like a huge slam dunk waiting to happen, especially if it, you know, we got all this thing with the current gen being, you know, previously referred to as next gen. Um and I think that that level of versatility is sort of why, you know, you, you had to really go out of your way to name drop StarCraft. You really did. And I think that that's, if you had to choose between one, Heroes of the Storm or StarCraft, it would be StarCraft.
2: Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Um, I don't know how much of time we actually have, because I don't know when we started.
4: We have as much time as everybody has, I think. Okay, cool.
2: Then I'm, I'm going to bring up one of the things I thought was interesting, too, is that we've talked a lot about WoW. We haven't talked yet about the lore that we've, re- we've learned about. Um, I'm not going to necessarily throw that out there because a, this is not a lore po- a lore podcast, and b, there's like there's eight people here, uh, and you know, so getting everyone's opinions about that might take a long time. But I am going to mention, I, I was one of the things I noticed about the whole you know we're doing the World Soul uh, saga, and it's going to be three expansions. Which at the time, I think I actually if 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 my jaw could cartoon unhinge and hit the floor, it would have done so. Because I was like, what? Have they ever done this? Have they ever announced three expansions? No. And we actually got the names of the three expansions. They didn't just vaguely say, well, after this expansion, we've got other stuff coming. They said, these expansions will be uh, War Within, Midnight, and now Matt's too tired to remember the third one. But Oh, the last, the last Titan, Titan. The <laughs> last Titan. I remembered it. Um, but that's a lot of, of individual specificity. Like we talked before about how like a lot of details weren't there, but they actually had a lot more details about the next two expansions than I would have thought possible. Like they, they already know the names, they already know the basic stories, they know kind of what they're doing. And that to me, that's, that's a, the the idea that they are trying to change how they deliver content has never felt more real. Than they did when they, when Metson went up on stage and told us that there's going to be three expansions. Here's the details on all three of them. And now we'll give you, we'll give you more about War Within because that's the one that's closest to coming out. What do you guys, do you guys think they can do this? Do you think they can actually pull off anything like a reasonable content release schedule for three expansions? Like, I don't think they'll come out in three years, but do you think they can get them all out like before six or years are over? Um, this time? I'm gonna start with Corey.
5: So yeah, I think that they do. Uh, that's fully their intention. They've they've said a couple times now that they do not want to still be telling the story by 2030, and that would be six years from now. The first expansion doesn't come out till next year, so I, th- I think we're looking at a year and a half release cycle. It's likely that we'll see only two raid tiers in the expansions, and then so I think that they're they're gonna they're gonna tell us. Closer to launch what their roadmap looks like, and I think that they've proven that they can hit those roadmap points now uh, because they've got through dragonflight nailing every one of their dates as they said they wanted to. so I think that we're we're on track for what they're promising and it, I got a chance to talk to the the couple of the developers for uh, the dragonflight uh, and beyond the the upcoming wow expansions. And they were talking how their workflow has changed from focusing entirely on one expansion and then another team is looking at the next expansion, uh, to they're kind of bouncing all over the place. So one day they could be looking at you know, a mirror assets and the next day they could be looking at Delve stuff, and the day after that they could be working on unannounced midnight features, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that and that has helped them to keep their keep their fingers on all the pies that need to be and make sure that everything is streamlined and going well and working in a way that has allowed them to become a lot more efficient at delivering the content that we're delivering or getting delivered.
2: All right, cool. That's an interesting point. Uh, Next up, I'm going to say Nick.
8: So this is something that I've been thinking about because yes, we want to say that they want that the story wants to be, Done and told by 2030. Currently 2023 release date projected 2024. So how fast would they have to move? And I think that one of the reasons, kind of like I think it was Rochelle that said it earlier, um, as a hey, we are working on this. Here is a longer term, um, like a longer term view, not to just like immediately entice, but also because I do think that they will probably pump these one pro- pump these out sooner. Maybe like I I think Corey hit it, too, with the year and a half. And part of that is because the Dragonflight 2023 roadmap was ambitious and they did do it, I think on the player side. Like and this is not to discredit the what the devs have done. It was, you know, that strict cadence should be applauded. And I thought that they did all of it well. I think that around 10.1.5, I started getting a little bit of burnout on the type of activities and the sort of pacing of the story, so I'm kind of thinking that this shift into uh, how quickly they're implying these expansions will come out sequentially is sort of a is sort of a shift, or I don't want to say gamble, but sort of making sure that the story is there that the players care about, that they can be a part of it in a timely manner. I'll say it like that.
2: Okay. Uh, Liz?
7: So, you know, I was just talking about the Microsoft acquisition and about how I hoped Blizzard would be given time to do things on their own pace and get things right, but it also does look like they're at an insanely fast content release schedule, because they have said they want this done by 2030. That is not... For three expansions, for three World of Warcraft expansions, that's not a super long time frame. And... This past year, they've certainly proven they can do this. They can release content on an aggressive schedule on, I would agree, such an aggressive schedule that it inspires at least a little bit of burnout from uh, even your most enthusiastic players because there's, it's relentless. It's a relentless pace of content. But I, I am really concerned about them sticking to this relentless pace of content because, uh, Not only do I sometimes get tired and feel a little burned out on the amount of content we have in front of us, but also expansions are more expensive than ever. The top tier bundle for the war within is $90 and includes early access to the game. So people who pay who shell out that $90 get to play early. And if there's a once every year and a half expansion, instead of a once every two years, once every two and a half years expansion. That means we're paying that $90 more frequently than ever. Now, is that because Blizzard wants to give us more content? Is it because, you know, they want to roll out the story fast and keep players interested and engaged? Or is it because, you know, corporate pressure says you need to sell a $90 expansion every other year? (sighs) Part of me is very cynical about this and very concerned that it's just going to mean that the aggressive pace of content is just going to mean more... Pressure on our wallets because ninety dollars for a game ain't nothing. So we'll we'll Although see we'll see if they stick to this pace.
4: It should be pointed out that the ninety the ninety dollar tier does include fifteen days or does include thirty days of game time, and so it's yeah. the equivalent of fifteen USD plus tax, right? Yeah. Not, okay. not
7: fair point. Fair point.
4: Well, Joe, since you just did that, you're up. Cool. Uh, here's my hot take. I think we need to start adjusting what we think an expansion is. Um. Mm-hmm. So. I don't think, and I've been talking about this for a long while, and I think this was the first time I perked up because I think this might be the first indication of it. Every other MMO that's out there releases content at a more regular pace, and an expansion means something entirely different in each and every one of them. And I think part of the problem with Warcraft is that expansions for so long have always meant new systems, reshaping the world, and doing a million things that sort of break and remold the game. I think over the last three expansions, we've started to see that settle down a little bit. Even with the new like talent system and, and and stuff that was released, I think the intention was always to see if they could get WoW to a place where the system would allow them to make the changes they wanted to make and and do the things that they wanted to do and add the things they wanted to add quicker and easier without having to spend six months fixing Yogg-Saron every time they added uh, something new to the game. <laughs> And I think Dragonflight, and I said this when it first released and they gave us the roadmap, I think Dragonflight was the test run. And the fact that they were able to successfully not only do all this, but make fundamental changes that didn't completely break the game is a good indicator that they can keep this up. Because I don't think they're going to have to keep adjusting the system. They're not going to have to completely break the system every time. Hero Talents is a really good example of that. They're not breaking the system. They're adding on to it. They're adding something to it, almost like. Uh, an, like an office add-on or something like that, or or like a mod pack, essentially. Um, I know I'm oversimplifying it, but that's that's what I feel. And I think that will allow them to be quicker. And we always knew that they wanted to hit that year-and-a-half mark for expansions, but what is an expansion going to mean at that point? I think it's just going to be milestones. If they just keep adding things on as they go along and keep those experiences, like, you know, Corey and everybody else is talking about how much was added in through Dragonflight. And how you felt like that was, some people felt that it was too much to keep up with, with all the events and everything else, but that's what other games do too. So I think it's not going to be as grand of a scope of an expansion like we've been seeing. And I think that is very intentional in the way that they laid out the next three. I don't think the system is going to change. The story will be updated. We're going to go to new places. They're going to keep adding things on, but I think that's the new cadence for the game. And also I think that's better for the longevity of the game as well. I mean, let's be honest, WoW is about to be 20 years old, and I'm sorry for everybody whose back's just cracked when I said that, um, <laughs> but- As if
2: my back could even, you know, as if I feel pain
4: anymore. <laughs> but, you know, in six years, WoW's going to be edging towards 30 years old. What other MMO can say that?
2: Well, EverQuest.
4: Yeah. and EverQuest what other- too. But that club is really limited.
2: <laughs> yeah, what is it? The Key Online, um, Ultima Online, and the games we've made.
4: Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a very exclusive club, but I think it's going to allow them to keep going to hit that 30-year 30, 30 mark, right? Because they can focus on that. They can get their story out. They can put their add-ons on. They can make their new changes, make their new lands, uh, and then they can keep going and keep going and keep going. And maybe we hit that every year and a half mark where an expansion drops, but it's just not as big of a deal- because they're not breaking everything. All right, I'm going to shut up now
5: and let other people talk.
2: Oh, I Good. pretty much think at this point that people who need to talk are Rochelle and fell, right?
5: Sorry. could I jump in real quick? No, you
2: can't oh, go man. ahead, Corey, jump in, but be quick. They,
5: they did talk in their interview today about how a lot of the, the cadence of content that came out in Dragonflight was them trying to see what they could do and them experimenting with how much they could get out. So For people feeling burned out on story content and uh, in Dragonflight and how quickly it was coming out, it's possible that they will uh, pull back. Slow that that. down, yeah.
4: So, what I'm hearing is I was
5: right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. As he often does. It was a nice testing ground for them to try out this kind of thing. So, uh, there are going to be tweaks, and they mentioned also like catch up mechanics and how at. If a new character made it to max level, all of a sudden there was 17 different exclamation points that popped up in uh, Valdrakhan for them. So how maybe they can do a better job of directing you to the most current uh, phase of the game and still giving you access to everything else that happened in that expansion. But guiding you with more breadcrumbs to the, the right point that you should be playing at at that moment, which will probably help too.
2: Maybe. Um, Okay, but, again, am I right in thinking, Rochelle and Fel, you're the only two I haven't gotten to talk yet?
0: I believe so. Yep.
2: Okay, I'm going to go with Rochelle.
0: So, Blizzard has gotten pretty good at reliable patches. I think back when I was still predicting patch dates, um, you know, every three months was usually on the dot that they were doing it. But I'm just going to say, they've been saying they've been wanting faster expansions since probably you know, Burning Crusade, I think. I'm not sure. And I'll, I'll believe it when I see it because
3: it hasn't happened yet.
2: Fair. That's a fair point. Val, um, you got anything?
3: Um, in my day job, I largely work in uh, large corporate software development environments. Um, Agile is pretty popular. And the basic premise of Agile delivery is you deliver what you can in a given time frame for a given amount of money. And it very much sounds like the the pipeline that they're talking about, with the the three expansions in the next sort of five and a half to six years, that they're working towards that sort of design philosophy, which probably means some of what Liz was saying earlier about the amount of content that's going to be in any given expansion for them to actually be able to deliver in that time frame. We're probably going to be paying similar amounts of money for what's probably going to be two major patch, two raid releases um, to to hit those targets because I don't think the player base would be able to really do the the volume of content that would have three raids in it in a a sort of 12 to 18 month period every year going forward for the next five to six years. So I think what our concept of a full expansion looks like is probably going to have to shift a little to deliver that amount of content in that amount of time. They're, get, they're time boxing it.
2: Mm, yeah, I mean, as as Joe pointed out earlier, um, a lot of expand, a lot of games when they put out an expansion, it's not the very intense amount of content that we get in a WoW expansion. Like ever, yeah, some of the, ever the Quest, concept uh, of, a, next of a live one.
3: service yeah. where everything just changes incrementally a little bit as you go along, rather than big bang, massive changes, might be something we see as well. Well, yeah. they've
2: already kind of taken steps in that front. Uh, with mm. things like the battle passes and so forth. Uh, but we've got, a, we've got a lot more we could talk about, but I'm, like, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to run out of... Like, the, can I was... add
6: something? Sure, I... go ahead. Yeah. Um, for me, I thought it was very bold of them to announce three expansions at the same time because one of the big draws of coming to BlizzCon or even the weeks and months leading up to it is the mystery of... What's coming next? What are they going to announce? By announcing three expansions and giving us the back-of-the-box back descriptions are, yeah, of ideas for them of what's going to happen, you basically have stopped all of the, the, the fake leakers, for one thing, as well as... Oh, a, a oh
2: no, oh, no. They're absolutely, <laughs> the fake leakers will be telling us what's coming out after The Last Titan within a month. But I do get your point, And I do think it's a good one. I do think it's interesting to see them. It takes a, a, a lot of chutzpah to get up there and basically say, here's everything that's coming. And, and sort of like preemptively stop the, uh, the, the. what do you think it's going to be? You know, that, that's a big hype generator. And they've said, we don't need it. So, yeah, you've got a point there. Um, but uh, like I was saying, uh, there's so much I, more we could talk about. Liz is going to talk about something. I can just feel it because she just says I, hi. Go I,
7: do, I do think we need to talk at least a tiny bit about Diablo 4 because that's, we've been.
2: That's what I was trying to do was move us to yes, Diablo 4 so go, that I can, we can go. get finished and then I can eat uh, and sleep. Um, Diablo 4, uh, I, I, a lot of the stuff that was announced at BlizzCon was stuff that we either already have or will have within this season or the next season. Which I thought was weird, um, I did like the talking about you know season three, the season of Orange text because they weren't ready to tell us what it was actually going to be, yet they were showing us stuff from it. Uh, but I do think that i th- I found the expansion announcement and and the fact that we got in more information about it later so that we could actually flesh out what the expansions going to be, um, having it be Karast and uh, Nahanta and and basically Travancall, having it be the areas that Mephisto was powerful in the areas that he corrupted, the areas that he was using, it makes sense. Where else would he want to go? Like he already knows he was basically ruling this area of the world for like a a solid 50 years. Like he he knew how to control those people. He's obviously going to want to reestablish that. So I thought that was cool. I liked a lot of what they were talking about in terms of, the sensitivity. They didn't want to call it Taranja anymore because that's an actual group of people. And they didn't say this at no point did they say, and maybe they don't like their name being plastered all over our game about demons destroying everything. You know, maybe that's something that they, that they don't think is that great. So we could, you know, not do that. And, and that's all great. I do want to put out to you guys, what did you, uh, of, of what you found out about the expansion, what did you feel like was the most glaring, deliberate omission? And what did you feel like, oh yeah, I I I really this is something I needed to know. Thank you for telling me. Um I
7: this we're gonna I go to do, Liz because Liz is doing that. I do want to jump in first and say they announced a new Diablo expansion called Vessel of Hatred due out late 2024. Uh I just felt like I needed to like cram the name of the expansion in there. Uh so I mean, obviously we're we're following Norel. We're following Norel, who is literally the the vessel, you know, carrying around Mephisto's Soulstone. But we got this very short teaser trailer, and not much else. Practically nothing else. We got a little bit about where they're going. We got a few pieces of art. We got some really, you know, there's some definitely some cool visuals. But that's it. That's it. We got a teaser that there will be a new class that we don't know about. We just got so few details. It's it's like just just this tiny bit, just enough to to give you something. But it wasn't much. It's really not much beyond the name.
2: Okay, that's fair. Um, Going to go with uh, Rochelle this time. Did you even care? I mean, I don't know if you played Diablo. Or-
0: I unfortunately cannot play Diablo because they did not make it for Mac and... Mm. Yeah, so Diablo is just kind of like, oh, okay, that's nice. Um, I'm going to read other stuff.
2: Gotcha. Okay, um, does anybody here absolutely not play Diablo or have any interest in it so I don't, like, waste your time picking on you? Like, Go ahead and say so now. Not getting anything, so I'm going to jump to uh, Flan. That's stuff I asked before.
6: So. I'm excited for the Vessel of Hatred. I'm just surprised that this is where we're going already. I knew we would be dealing with Narelle in one of the expansions. I just figured we probably would have been dealing with the Crusade of Light first because they felt like a more local threat directly after you while she was going away to handle other issues. So I am surprised that we are already going off to Mephesto. Uh, that just leads to the future of where do we go after that? Because now you well, would have taken care of Lilith and then her dad. Uh, I'm curious to see where we're going. Okay. Uh,
2: Liz, did you actually want to answer the question? Because you didn't actually answer it.
7: I, I sort of, uh, maybe. Um, I, th- I think I've said all I have to say about right. the expansion. There's just not much. Not much. Uh Joe
4: we are journeying to the lands that i would love to go back to and see how they've changed in the time that we've been away cuz it has been a while um uh, years yeah we have we have talked about this um i think we we when we did our diablo episodes of lore watch we kind of went into that and how we'd like to go back um i do think it's important that we go back because we've spent more time on this side of the world than there and we it leads us closer to what happened with the Amazons. It leads us closer to what happened with the, the Order of the Sightless Eye uh, and, and a lot of that other stuff. And it starts potentially filling in, I mean, lore gaps, which, you know, I that's what I care about. Um, the interesting thing, that, too, is we are leaving, as was pointed out by by Flynn and, and, and company, we have the... Cathedral of light in their all of their malice and glory still kind of traipsing around the place um, and they have to be dealt with. But we also at the end of it, if you've done a bunch of the stuff, you got the Iron Wolves back up and running at least somewhat. Their traditions are restored. Uh, you've given some hope to some of the lone crusaders that are out there, um, because while Joanna may be gone, her apprentice is now taking up the mantle of Joanna uh, or Johanna, sorry, uh, you like they're not in an awful place. They could be better, but they're not without hope. And to be perfectly honest, the position our character is in at the end of it, nobody else can really go deal with Mephisto who is gathering power probably at an alarming rate, faster than his brothers for sure. Um, and that could spell even more doom for the world, as Matt pointed out. Like it's the whole, these are areas of his power. And if his soul fragmented like we think they did, he could have still been influencing it because we saw, we saw the influence of hatred on the lands we were in 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 Diablo Four already. Imagine if that was un, unfettered for seventy plus years in the other parts of the world. So I'm I'm kind of excited for it. I'm kind of excited going back to that area and and poking around and seeing what's up.
2: I'm gonna go with Nick, I guess.
8: So for me, Diablo Four was my. First Diablo game playing for an extended period of time like more than an hour I would say. I played Diablo 3 in college like as one of my friends said, hey try it out and at the time I thought oh this is cool kind of a lot going on and I, it didn't grab me. So the whole idea uh, for me when I look at this expansion it's this is another new place that I get to go to and learn about. But I don't know what else is happening because kind of like what Liz said the trailer like, to me, the best part of the trailer was the sound design for Mephisto's voice. Like It is just so good. It feels like a it, when I was watching the trailer and I had my headphones on, it, I could feel the rattling in my skull almost. Like he was in my head, not just Narell's head, which I thought was like a really cool touch. Maybe I'm just listening too loud. Uh, <laughs> but um, So that's the lens that I'm looking at Al, as. Probably the best part of the trailer for me was in our staff chat, when everyone was going over New Class, and me, having not played, like, Diablo 3 for super long, thought it was a good idea to just say, oh, hey, what if it's a witch hunter? And then, immediately, boom, no. Boom, no. Boom, no. Boom. Diablo 3. And I'm like, alright, alright, I get it. I get it. <laughs> that was the best part to me. I just had to, I I couldn't help but chuckle. I was like, yeah, alright. I, I probably deserve that one.
3: Alright, um, I think it's point fell? Um, I don't know if we are going to Deal with Mephisto. We're, we're definitely following in Narelle's footsteps, but from the the notes that we got, um, and I can't remember if they were in-game or if it was one of the, the books, she ends up on the other continent up the top somewhere after this. So I think we're following in her footsteps, but I don't think we're going to actually resolve that storyline. Um, I'm really looking forward to going somewhere a bit more lush. I I have found... The story in D4 has been absolutely excellent, but I get a little down with how bleak the environments are. Um, So I'm really looking forward to going to somewhere a bit greener and what they showed us was amazing. But it was, like we were talking earlier, really thin on actual information. Nearly everything that's coming in the balance of this season, we'd already been told about somewhere. Uh, what little they told us about the next season, we already knew most of it already from from other Fireside chats and blogs. So other than the name of the new expansion and a couple of screenshots of the new environments, they didn't really tell us anything that they hadn't told us already. Um, The rings were about the only really new thing. Um, And I actually bought a Windows box to play Diablo 4 (laughs) specifically because I've been a Mac player for a very long time.
2: Yeah, I do kind of wish they had... Kept doing stuff on Mac, but you know you always get the well just boot camp it, argument. It's not worth it. It's as bad. Yeah. Um, Corey, did we get you?
5: Yeah, but uh, I don't have much to go with on Diablo. I haven't played as uh, Diablo Four as much as I would have thought I would have. But at this point, all I can really say is it does feel thin for something that's supposedly been in development since Diablo Four launched. Uh, to get no solid details on this expansion already this far out. Um, but I get maybe it just also feels like Diablo four has been out forever at this point. So who am I to really judge that?
2: Which it's really only been out for like six months.
5: If, if that. Yeah. June so, 5th,
4: June 5th, 2023.
2: Yeah. And so, we're in like early November. So yeah, about six months.
5: It's not that been out that long. So I guess that's fair. Um, my one guess for like the next class is probably going to be something akin to a warlock uh, that really uses the power of hell and demonic forces to fight demonic forces, because I don't really feel like we've seen that in a Diablo game before,
2: except for uh,
5: the demon which, hunter. Well, to a degree, but I, I'm talking more like throwing fallen at people and bringing big demons out and infernal magic kind of vibes, rather than that in a in a way that's unique from the demon hunter powers.
2: Yes, you want warlocks.
5: Yep, that, that's my guess. That's the that's what. I,
2: Okay. all righty um i keep saying it um it's going to be bards and they're going to do a weird job of it and i'm not going to like it but that's just gonna that's just me being really negative because i'm pretty sure that this is a monkey's paw situation or maybe it's
4: but something new from the of Scovos, matt you never no, know
2: i've been saying for years that we need bards and they, i never expected it to actually happen so if it actually started happening i, I would not know what to do but regardless um there was also you know, like i said i, I do want to make it the point of One of the things that I thought was really strange was how much of the Diablo presentation was stuff that we either already have, or or as like Phil mentioned, we already knew about. Like, we already know, and not from this BlizzCon, that Season 3 has got an Egyptian thing. Like, they didn't mention that, but we've seen it. Like, it's something we know. I thought that that was really odd. It felt like more so than World of Warcraft, which at least was giving you some details. Um... And, and I, if we had the time, I'd really want to discuss the fact that Hearthstone, you wouldn't even know they had an expansion if you, if you weren't paying attention. You know what I mean? Like, it did not feel like Hopefully Hearthstone was getting enough attention. But, yeah, I, I just felt like the Diablo 3 panels in particular felt very much like a lot of it was just stuff they didn't want to talk about yet. You know? And I don't necessarily blame them, but it still was in, an interesting thing for a BlizzCon. Um, it felt me to me like perhaps they learned from the experience with Diablo Immortal, that they could have made a Diablo 4 announcement a year earlier and probably saved themselves a lot of pain. And so now they're going to make the announcements even if they don't have a lot of real details to share. But I don't know if anybody else feels that way. Um, Anything else people want to talk about before we move on? Because I do seriously need to get done.
3: Um, One omission that almost all of us predicted in our BlizzCon predictions was that we would hear something about the unannounced survival game, which. Again, we had silence on it, so I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign. It could mean that they're doing the whole it's done when it's done, and it's going to be really polished when it comes out, or it could have been Microsoft looked at it and went, no, because we did notice one gap in particular in the schedule where it could have potentially have squeezed something else in, um, and it might be the reason that some of the other stuff felt stretched. I don't
2: know. I mean, that is a good point. We have not heard anything about the survival game since yeah. we heard that the survival game exists.
4: Yeah, I think I, I, my understanding is that like it's, it's like it was in early development. They announced it probably earlier than they should have that they were doing it, and uh, they were kind of still figuring out where it's going to be. Because survival is a weird niche, like because how do you build it? Do you build it where it's like Rust, where it's a battle royale survival type scenario? Do you build it like don't starve? Like there are so many different directions it can go in, and it's a pretty well saturated market. So part of don't, it might have just been don't them-
2: build it like metal gear survive.
4: No, that that should we we don't talk about that. That's the Highlander 2 of, of video games. Um but I'm going to be interested to see cuz we haven't heard anything aside from it's still active and they haven't announced that they've they've stopped development on it, but I don't I don't think we're going to hear anything anytime soon. If I would be surprised if we hear anything about it before the end of next year.
2: Okay. Um I want to thank everybody for being here for this uh, because it meant I had to talk a lot less. And that's awesome because my throat was threatening to quit the whole time. Uh, you guys are great. You successfully carried the burden of my babbling. Uh, this is unusual because it's not our usual podcast. So I'm not sure what to say now. Um, I guess I should point to Joe and say, could you do the thing?
4: Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash your continued support means that this podcast and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast for the queue and an ads free site experience.
2: Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Um, and also thank you to Nick, uh, uh, Rachel fell uh, Liz, of course, who who rounded up everybody and, and really got people to show up. So, you know, very double kudos to Liz Corey for managing to get in just before yeah, you know, we were about to start and, uh, it just, everybody, if I if I thank you, Flan.
4: I'm going to thank Flan. Flan is my Go brother ahead. in Gritty.
2: Thank you, Flan. Um, <laughs> and also, uh, thank you to Joe, of course, for basically always being the rock that keeps me from, you know, talking too much about whales or, or whatever might end up happening.
4: That'll be Sunday. Uh,
2: this has been the roundup for Blizzard, uh, BlizzCon, and it is not even come close to covering everything. And yet at the same time, kind of covered more than it we had any right to I'm which you know that's been like the theme of BlizzCon this year it's like more and yet less you won't really understand it uh-huh. I do like the point that Corey and Flan made though about it being something that is a very tactile experience something that when you're on the ground it really feels vibrant because that's always been the way with BlizzCon hasn't it There's always been that bit of magic that's there so yeah uh and anybody have anything like the last goodbye anything you want to do before we go
5: I'm just gonna say Thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, as always, it's amazing to see the passion that the Blizzard developers and the community has for all of these products that we see on display, so that's that's so touching and really brings home the point of, like, why we do this.
2: Uh, Anybody else? Rochelle, Fel, Fawn?
6: I just want to thank anyone I I saw during the con. It was great just talking to people, and those who say, it's like, oh, we read the site, it was great uh, hearing from the readers, so... It was great to meet
2: you. That's a good point. Um, uh, Nick?
8: Um, just really thank you to everyone who's tuned in, who supports us in any way that they can, but also thank you to my fellow writers, the podcasters, and the editors, because I got to see it firsthand. This was all hands on deck this weekend, and <laughs> I I am just amazed at which the just the effort, the synergy and really the, just the passion that everyone moved with this weekend it was I, I felt lucky to be a part of it so i'm just gonna say that
2: um okay um Rochelle, Phil, fell come on
0: i'm just happy to be back and involved and i've been i've been out of gaming a while because of like you know day job stuff and
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's just it's so nice to be back for blizzcon right in the midst of everything
2: awesome thank you um i'm gonna keep nagging you to say something Phil.
3: Um, probably two things. First one would be, uh, really enjoyed first, uh, first go at being involved in a BlizzCon coverage. It was extremely full on and a little bit anxiety making. And secondly, uh, really, really enjoyed seeing the the people in the Discord channel, um, the members rather than the staff as much, really getting excited and, and asking questions and getting into it. And that helped us see the sort of stuff they wanted to see. So that's great, too. Okay. Uh, Liz, I believe it's it's you.
7: I I am just glad we have finished up BlizzCon for another year. Have you finished uh, that
2: roundup post yet?
7: Almost. After this, I think I'm going to hit publish on it. Okay. I've been working on it for a day and a half. Good. Um, Even though, you know, it's not done because tomorrow we'll still have posts that need to be finished. And uh, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm, Yep. It's... It's a tiring weekend for us folks covering the convention. So uh, to quote the Warcraft P we more work. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe work in some time for naps tomorrow. It'll be, it'll be nice. Joe.
4: Uh, Thank you to all of our listeners and thank you to all of our readers. Uh, You continue to make this possible. Uh, A big thank you to all of our team members here, especially the ones that uh, busted their butts working uh, the BlizzCon. Uh, it is a fun, but also exhausting job uh, for those of you that this is your first one. Congratulations. Uh, it's kind of like an initiation ceremony. So welcome. Um, and I really am looking forward to all of the continue fresh views that you give and the, the fresh opinions that you guys give. Um, it helps keep us alive as well. And I, I just want to make sure that we thank you.
2: And I'm just going to say, Thank you guys so much. Thank you to everybody who came and was part of this podcast. Thank you to all of you who listen when this recording goes out. Thank you to, you know, dolphins because you're cool. And then I'm gonna guys realize we need to stop because I am just losing it. Uh take it easy, everybody. Have a great time and bye.
6: Bye. Bye.